Stay tuned for The Turning Point with Mike Fader. This is Mike Fader. Today we have um, a guest, Greg Pallast. Are you there, Greg? My guest, my guest there. Is he there? Hi, Greg. Yes. You are there, Mr. Greg. <laughs> can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear okay. me? Okay. <laughs> it's like that okay. old. Uh, well, well, yeah. Remember that. Uh, so how's your how's your colitis? <laughs> uh, my colitis is doing well uh, for itself, not for me. And I have many yeah. other symptoms too. How are you getting old? Uh, well, you know. Yeah, I know. And not great, not gracefully or graciously. So there you go. Yeah, same here. There's a big club of us, I think. Um, well, uh, let me introduce you to the listeners. I can't imagine there's sure. anybody who doesn't know who you are, but uh, I will do it anyhow as a matter of form and uh, politesse. 
Greg Pallast, who is on the uh, line with us today, is an investigative reporter of renown whose news-breaking stories have appeared on Democracy Now!, BBC Television, and Rolling Stone, The Guardian, Al Jazeera, and many other media outlets. And you can read his reports on gregpallast.com. That's G-R-E-G-P-A-L-A-S-T.com. And I advise you to go there and sign up for these reports. He is the author of the New York Times bestsellers, Billionaires and Ballot Bandits, The Best Democracy Money Can Buy, An Armed Madhouse, and Vulture's Picnic. And he's best known in the U.S. for uncovering Catherine Harris, remember back in history, Catherine Harris? Purge, her purge of black voters from Florida's voter rolls in 2000. Thanks to that, we had Bush. Uh, His documentary film, The Best Democracy Money Can Buy, A Tale of Billionaires and Ballot Bandits, was released last fall. And um, how can people see this film? Uh, with their eyes, uh, by going, if uh, you missed it in a theater in Washington, or, the, or New York, or the rest of, of uh, the, the coastal America, mm-hmm. you can get it from the usual suspects, Amazon, Vimeo, etc., or get information at gregpalace.com. So okay. uh, the movie, uh, The Best Democracy Money Can Buy. Uh, and it is um, as apropos now as it uh, ever was, more than, more so, I guess. Um, yeah, in fact, I've just done. A, I'm doing a, uh, the latest version of the update, which includes because the, the film is about how Donald Trump st- will steal the election, which uh, was released in September, and now uh, so we're updating it, and 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 the subtitle will now be uh, "We Told You So." So this time, pay attention. So it does, the newest versions actually have the election, but it, yeah, in September we said, here's how Trump's going to steal it. Mm-hmm. And here's who he's going to steal it for. Here are the billionaires. More, to, almost more to the point. I mean, it's exactly yeah. what it, yeah. Uh, well, <clears throat> today we're going to talk, we can talk about whatever we want, but uh, we're going to talk about um, uh, a piece you wrote for the Op-Ed News, is it? Yes. Okay, Op-Ed News, and it's called Trump Care Dies, XL Flies, and the secret winner is... And let me read the first couple of paragraphs, and then uh, we'll get into it here. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I've only, this cough about two years. I better get it checked out. <clears throat> when Ryan Care-Trump Care finally ended up face down in the swimming pool, triumphalist Democrats whooped and partied and congratulated themselves on defeating the Trump-Ryan monstrosity. But deep in their counting house, counting their gold, three brothers cackled with private jubilation. I like how you're you're right. Sounds like a child's fairy tale, almost, but it's true. Uh, David and Charles Koch knew the day was theirs, but there's a third brother, right? Yes. Yes, and who is that, and and why was he so happy? Brother Billy, people forget. There's actually four brothers. Oh, there are. There's one who kind of uh, pretty much hides out on Cape Cod, uh, does some music, and keeps to himself and and spends uh, daddy's inheritance uh, through... um, um, supporting the arts. Well, God bless um, him. You know, I mean, yeah, that, that, what happened to him? That's Fred Junior. <laughs> well, that's why. That's why they kind of he's like the crazy old lady in the attic. You know, they don't talk about him. Mm-hmm. That that's Fred Junior. Because uh, uh, Fred uh, Senior, Fred Koch Senior, made the, the family's billions by building refineries for Joe Stalin and then coming home and forming the John Birch Society. Oh, well, he didn't make money from the John Birch Society. He just. Uh, made hell for uh, decent people. Mm -hmm. But um, Brother Billy is often forgotten. He's very, very important. In fact, uh, um, 
Oh, he's in my film too. But the he owns uh, a company called Oxbow Carbon, um, and you know, which is a lovely name for perfect, perfect you know, name. Yeah, yeah uh, for uh, environmentalists. He's uh, so the thing about the three brothers, Charles and David. Charles and David being the, the well-known billionaires, worth about forty billion each. Um, brother Billy um, had a, a fourth of uh, all. The, in fact, the four of the brothers split their daddy's company. Coke Industries, um, and uh, Charles and David schemed to basically uh, take away their brother's half of the of the company and pay them peanuts for, um, you know, uh, they gave them peanuts when they had owned the elephant, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so Brother Billy was shorted, but ultimately they kissed and made up, and so the little Brother Billy, uh, who used to be known as the Playboy drunk uh and uh uh he walked away he's now only worth a few billion dollars oh but the way he's made his his own billions is by this company oxbow carbon who's who uh which makes a ton of money uh from and from uh of the business of selling gunk filth and the stuff that fries our planet to china and uh one of the key things that happened Last Friday was that um, a Donald Trump at three in the afternoon, um, you know, said, "Okay, Trump Care is dead. Ryan Care is dead." But at ten a.m., he'd announced that he was um, authorizing the XL pipeline, the completion of the XL pipeline. And, um, um, and by the way, this is very important. Charles and David did not. Charles and David Coke. Did not like, did not like um, uh, Trump. Oh, and, but Charles David Koch didn't like Trump. But uh, Brother Billy did uh, did support Trump early on and uh, held a fundraiser for him in Palm Beach. So they still had that in in the White House. The the Kochs. and all three brothers are making a killing off Trump's approval of the XL pipeline. And about, I figure, over the next 20 years of its operation, about $21 billion will go into their pockets. The way that Brother Billy makes his money is by pulling the gunk out of the pipeline, the tar. See, the, what the Mexico pipeline is, a pipe that takes tar sands oil from Canada, mm-hmm. brings it all the way down to Texas. They, it, well, that, it, don't, they have, yeah. don't they have oil in Texas? Don't, do they need oil in Texas? Yeah, I heard that they have oil in Texas. They're actually drowning. They have such a monstrous sense. They started fracking oil. Texas is drowning oil. So why are we bringing, it's like literally like coal to Newcastle, it's oil to Texas. Why are we bringing oil to Texas? It's because the, the brothers Charles and David have a refinery at the end of the pipeline. People keep, you know, why are we going to Texas? No one seems to be asking that question. The answer is Coke, that at the end of the pipeline is Coke's giant refinery on the Gulf Coast, which cannot use Texas oil. It's in the middle of an oil field. Can't use Texas oil because it's designed. It's designed to use only super heavy, which is their euphemism for super dirty oil. The wor- the, that's the worst. It's the worst. Uh, it's crew. the worst. It's the planet frying junk filled with sulfur, and so and the, their problem though that's the only oil they can use. It was built during the oil embargo when uh, there wasn't enough oil in Texas, so it was on the Gulf Coast to get oil from Venezuela. But in the past uh, two decades, you've had either Hugo Chavez 
or recently um, his um, successor, a guy named Nicolas Maduro. Mm. And they know that the Coke refinery is a captive customer, that they can't get – the only place you can get super heavy oil in quantity, the only place is Venezuela or – and the second option is Canada. But there's no way for the Cokes to get that oil from Canada unless they get that XL pipeline. The savings to the brothers, the two brothers, Charles and David Koch, is about 15 bucks a barrel. Wow. Now, just if you, you know, if you look up the refinery and how much oil it is handled, that works out <clears throat> at, to a profit for Charles and David of a good billion-plus dollars a year mm-hmm. operating for the next 20 years. So it's a billion dollars. They own that. Uh, Coke Industries personally, so that's right into their pockets, a billion dollars a year for Charles and David Coke. Then you add in the money that they're, that, by the way, Coke, a company called Coke Carbon, mm-hmm. makes <laughs> on the pipeline with, uh, with Oxbow Carbon. They make their money by pulling the tar out of the tar sands oil as it floats, uh, well, it, as it kind of uh, snakes its way down, this gloppy stuff. It's so heavy that it can't make it down to Texas, so they have to pull out a lot of the tar. They build it up in piles in Detroit. Detroit, like, right. In the, like the size of pyramids. It's like coal dust, and then dries into something that looks like coal dust, flies all over Detroit um, at, uh, you know, a white city. So well, how do, how do they, how do they, they de- sell it to China. They sell it? What, are they, what does China do with it? Well, here, China burns it. It's illegal to burn in the United States. It's so toxic. It's so toxic, this stuff. So horrible, so polluting, and so destructive that it's against the law to, to burn it in the United States. So they ship it to China, burn it, and it still goes into our atmosphere. Well, so, we, so we do allow the export of this, of a poison to put in the air. So, you mean it's, it's illegal, and anyhow, it's illegal so far. I mean, the way things are going, I mean, we have, of all people, Rick Perry in charge of the Energy Department. We've got the Trumps. We've got the Cokes. I mean, what a perfect name these people have. What a absolutely perfect name they have. You know, <laughs> yeah, the, the Mercers, Col- they used to be, uh, now actually, known. they used to be changing their name for Merciless, but um, mm-hmm. the Mercers are there. And uh, the Cokes, so in other words, and this is very important. And in my film, I explain this all, I track this all down, how the Cokes are, uh, need, need a president, need a Congress who will approve this crazy pipeline bringing the world's filthiest oil from Canada down to Texas. And that's part of the investigation of my film, because it's important to understand the money behind these politicians. And when I say the money behind them, Trump, and this is very, very important for people to to know, Trump only plays a billionaire on television. He doesn't have a billion dollars. Mm. Um, You know, I've had, uh, I've been following this guy for, for decades, literally. And he's in hock, you know, up to his bombers and uh, in the casino because he's a terrible real estate man, which is why he likes his son-in-law, Kushner, because he's a real estate. He's a true real estate mogul. He's a, he's a true real estate billionaire, whereas, whereas Trump is just, you know, the TV version. His, his and so he son. needs these other billionaires. So he needed Billy Koch, and he needed – he couldn't get Charles and David, but uh, they got the – Instead, they put about three-quarters of a billion, that's with a B, three-quarters of a billion into, the, um, into this campaign, specifically to elect uh, right-wing uh, senators, but mostly the, the uh, elect the caucus called the Freedom Caucus, the kind of brown-shirt, uh, uber-right-wing crew that well, wait, killed uh, Obamacare, uh, excuse me, that killed Ryan Care and killed, um, killed Trump Care. 
<clears throat> this book, uh, I didn't read Jane Mayer's book, Dark Money, but that's about the Cokes, right? Right. And uh, if you want, but, you know, I've been, it's funny because I, you know, I like Jane, but she just like was shocked. She discovered the Cokes like 10 years ago. I've been investigating. I started investigating them about um, uh, 20 years ago with the FBI before I was a journalist. With the FBI? Why was the FBI looking into the Koch brothers? Ah, because they're see they're they're a um, a fam they're a crime syndicate parading as a family or as a corporation Coke oh. Industries. Uh, what they had done, and you'll see this in cartoons in my film. Well, I don't I don't want you to give away too much of the film, but go ahead. Okay, yeah. no, no, there's there's so much in the film. Uh, you know, basically, there's nothing to be given away, which okay. is that they got, as I say, they got the money their old fashioned way. They stole it from the Indians. Um, this is how they really pumped up the value of the company. They had contracts to take the oil off Indian reservations, like the Osage Indian Reservation, Coke Industries, which their division, Coke Oil. They had trucks because the, these little, you know, those little horses that kind of go up and down. They're called pump jacks. They look like little horses. Mm -hmm. the, the on the Osage Reservation, they had this oil, but it was so little they couldn't. It was not worth. Uh, uh, building pipes to get it out. So they had trucks go around to these little pump jacks, these little horses, and they'd pull out, you know, 50, uh, 50 uh, barrels of oil. They'd pull out um, 12 barrels of oil, small amounts. Mm -hmm. But there was this guy, Charles Koch, who told his truckers that he, that they had a, uh, that he needed more overage. What's that? That's the excess amount that you don't pay for. So they, they would, they'd go to some little to some uh, on a reservation pull out 40 barrels of oil and write down um 37 they pull out the uh, 30 barrels of oil and write 22 and so they were skimming oil off the indians it was it was cheating the in each of these uh, osage indian uh families who were poorer than dirt uh it was cheating them of three or four dollars a week and here's the interesting thing, and Myers quoted this, but I'm the one who got it. I got it off of uh, these, uh, we had a Coke executives wired for sound, Coke hmm. oil executives wired. And one asked, well, had it said how he asked Charles Coke, why are you doing this? Because remember, these guys did inherit a billion dollars from their dad, each of them. Well, that's the question always with these people is, why yeah. are you doing why, it? Why are you doing it? Yeah. I mean, like, basically, why are you stealing three bucks a week from some poor Indian family. You got a billion. You know, he literally went out to the oil fields and would and would threaten the truckers with firing if they didn't take more. And, and so some, this is senior vice president. Said, why? I mean, why? And he said, and Koch said, because I want my fair share, and that's all of it. Oh my God! And you know, and by the way, it's a phrase he's apparently used several times. Because uh, I got a, another Coke executive called me and said, I didn't believe it till I, I caught him using a, using a, uh, uh, like, it's a group, I won't say the name of it, but it's a group that's kind of like the Red Cross as a front group for making illegal campaign contributions. Mm -hmm. and, and this guy said, my God, why are you doing that? He said, because I want my fair share. You know, you, that's all of it. That's Charles Coke. This is, this is what you're dealing with when you deal with these people. The, the best... Uh... They're damaged. Yeah. The best artistic example I ever saw of this. Did you ever see the film Chinatown? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, a few times. Yeah. There's this guy in there who is, uh, you know, the great evil character in there, and he uh, just ruins everybody and ruins everything, all for money, and cheats all kinds of people who don't even know they're being cheated, poor people, old people. And uh, a private detective gets on his trail and finally figures this all out and confronts him. This is one of the, like, you know, the climaxes of the film. One, I guess it's a climax of the film in a way, um, spiritually, you know, economically. He confronts this guy, richer than, you know, anybody, and powerful. And uh, he says, look, you've got all the money in the world. You own everything. Why are you doing this? The same question that you were talking about, right? And yeah. the answer in the film is that he summons uh, somebody from out of the, like, you know, from the, off the wings, comes in and hits the guy over the head. I mean, that is your answer. The answer to, from all these people is basically, fuck you. You know, don't e you don't even have the right to ask me. I want everything. I can do whatever I like. Don't even question me. Anyhow, you know. Yeah, by the way, that's based on the, on the life of uh, Mulholland. If, uh, oh, really? That's uh, it, based on a true story. You know, Mulholland Drive in Los Angeles. That was Mulholland. <laughs> uh. and, and so, as the Richard Townsend who wrote Chinatown, he said, I want to find out how you get your name on a street. <laughs> because, well, if you buy politicians like bags of sugar, and, say, and, and by the way, you know that nice road uh, that goes along the mountains? It's named after me. He'd name more streets after They were going to name all the streets after him in Los Angeles, except that, you know, it creates too much confusion for a chauffeur. So, um, well. but yeah, so, you know, and, and here's the interesting thing. Again, I'm going back to the film because it's uh, obviously on my mind, but in The Best Democracy Money Can Buy, I, I had, um, years ago, Billy Koch used to call me. Hmm. This is when I was a reporter with The Guardian in London to scream about his brothers. <laughs> now, what he didn't know is that I happened to have my tape recorder on. And I've never used the tape. I've kept those tapes under wraps until I put out the film this year, so you could see who's the money. Billy Coke is the money behind uh, one of the big, uh, the big early money behind Trump, hmm. and um, Billy Coke is laying out in detail exactly the felonies that his brothers are committing. In fact, he's laying out in detail the, the felonies he was committing with them. So you um, wait, you have these tapes. You have these tapes. Yeah. Don't you, I mean, considering everything that goes on and what we've been talking about, I mean, aren't you really worried? Aren't you worried for yourself? Um, now, maybe that no, doesn't matter. I, always, I usually tend to worry for my, re, for my sources. People always ask me, you know, you know, this, you know Greg Pallas, I do pretty, some pretty hairy investigative reporting on, some, on billionaires and around the world. And uh, it's pretty rare that I'm afraid at all. Actually, before as an investigator, um, you know, there were, there were some issues I really had to worry about. But now that I, I can talk to, uh, you know, get on the air, mm -hmm. it's a form of protection. But usually, well, Billy Koch, who's, who's one of my more um, interesting sources, um, who might not be so happy to reveal him as I'm doing in the public interest, uh, but I usually have these guys, people who are inside who are really sometimes even putting their lives on the line. It's pretty scary. In fact, let me give you a side story because I, I want to get this story out. Yeah. Back in when I was doing the Billy Coke, the story about the Cokes, the invest, I, in fact, when I wrote for The Guardian, no one had ever heard of the Cokes. So I called them the richest guys you've never heard of. And, but at the same time, I was investigating this guy, George Bush, who was running for president, hmm. and George W. Bush. And uh, it turns out that after George Bush Sr. 
about a month before he left office, after he had lost re-election, lost to uh, Bill Clinton, Bush Sr. approved and, um, and uh, uh, a sale of the biggest gold mine in North America. It's in Nevada, which is on government property, and sold the biggest gold mine in North America for $10,000 to a company called Barrick Gold. That's the, claims, sen- that's the senior Bush you're talking about? Now? That's the senior Bush. Right after that, the senior Bush got a high-paid job, reportedly worth millions of dollars, from Barrick Gold Mining, mm-hmm. the company he had just given a multi-billion dollar gold mine to. He'd, he'd authorized the release. His, his Department of Interior authorized the release to, um, of this property for $10,000. <sighs> and at the same time, then, for to pleasure Barrick, he used his influence. Used his influence to uh, help uh, Barrick get a gold mine in Tanzania. The problem was there were already gold miners who owned and controlled the, the mineral rights on that property. They were called jewelry miners, poor Tanzanians, who would dig holes 30, 40 feet deep, little makeshift mines. And they'd pull out, they'd make, you know, like a dollar a day. Mm-hmm. They got this teeny bits of gold. So Barrick Gold Mining bought up the property, which wasn't there to buy. Right. And then the, uh, but the problem was is that they couldn't take control of the property until, unless the property were cleared. So the property was cleared um, for them by the government uh, so that Barrick could take over this property by running bulldozers over the property sealing up all the little gold miners, little gold mines. The problem was that there were 30 miners at least still in the mines when they sealed up the mines. And, oh, and they buried these guys alive. That's Bush Sr. Okay, that was, that was Bush Sr. They buried these guys alive. Then they buried the story alive by threatening, every, when you talk about threats, threatening every journalist. And in the U.S., not with physical harm, but with lawsuits. In England, they shut everyone down. In Canada, they shut everyone down. The company's Canadian. And, um, and you know, um, so here, Bush Sr., how he basically turned the White House into uh, his profit center. Um, that company, you couldn't investigate uh, or report on that company. I did anyway. Mm-hmm. And I was sued by George Bush's gold mining company. Uh, and uh, uh, under British libel law, which is frightening, but that's that's lawsuits. Okay, the problem was one of my sources, a wonderful man named Tonda Lisu, and I want to mention his name because heroes should be mentioned. Mm-hmm. He's a Tanzanian environmental lawyer, and um, they beat the hell out of his law partner, who, by the way, was a member of Parliament. Uh, beat the hell out of his law partner, and and um, put out a warrant for his arrest on charge of sedition, you know, which means death or jail, or if you're lucky, um, it's jail. And um, that's the type of thing that happens to my sources that I have to worry about. Now, I did not reveal that source. He decided to go public and uh, with pictures of the bodies being dragged out, with pictures of the bulldozers going across the property. But nothing and else. that was George Bush. So that's what, when you go after, you have to understand, these, and behind George Bush Sr. is a billionaire named Peter Monk of Canada. 
And he's got it now. Um, he doesn't have a road named after him. He might, but he, he has a, a school named after him at uh, the University of, uh, uh, of Toronto. I, I don't want to go too far down on these, uh, these uh, stories because one reason is because they're endless, and another reason is because they're so depressing when you see that, uh, how the rich truly do own the country and, ever, and, own, and they own the world. But um, I wanted to, by the way, let me reintroduce you. You're listening to Greg Pallast. And he's an investigative reporter. Uh, stories have appeared on Democracy Now!, The Guardian, Rolling Stone, other places. And he's the author of New York Times bestseller, Billionaires and Ballot Bandits, The Best Democracy Money Can Buy, and a film uh, of the same name, The Best Democracy Money Can Buy, A Tale of Billionaires and Ballot Bandits, which is a terrific film available on uh, Amazon and other places. Um, can we steer back to this article because I'm interested in sure. the, uh, yeah I like talking to you because I, I you you allow me the most interesting digressions at least I think they're interesting <laughs> <laughs> you know when you're talking about people being buried alive and and the the Bush family cashing in and uh, and uh, their cronies uh, threatening and beating uh, their opponents hey I think it's uh, a, it's a great way to start the day you know yeah yeah uh, good morning. I mean, but after all, we're not going to be here that long anyhow, since uh, Trump essentially, without even understanding it, apparently just declared war on Russia and Iran. So, uh, you know, how long we're going to last, I don't know. So we need to get everything in. Uh, meanwhile, going along in this article, which appeared in Op-Ed, 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 Op-Ed News, right? Um, uh, the subtitle of this um, second section here is uh, Coke Don't Care. And um, uh, a couple of uh, paragraphs here. When Trump care breathed its last, the president blamed Democrats for its untimely demise. A stunned bystander, that's a perfect word for it, Democratic minority leader Nancy Pelosi, I can't believe she's still there. She must be 150 years old, still, you know, doing the same thing. How she, she's another story about her husband and all the millions of dollars they have. Anyhow, a stunned bystander, Democratic minority leader Nancy Pelosi, went for it. We'll take credit for that, she said. <clears throat> and you say in your article, sorry, Nancy, you can't. And then you move on to uh, something you mentioned just before about Koch's, uh, maybe you could talk about it, the, the Freedom Caucus, uh, if we remember in this avalanche of news, the Freedom Caucus uh, essentially uh, doomed this bill for, uh, for uh, Trump and for uh, Ryan. And um, maybe you could explain who the Freedom Caucus is and where they get their money from. Well, the Freedom Caucus is uh, is the brown shirt faction of the uh, of the Republican Party, um, the the Uber right, and they get their and so when they said that they weren't going to back uh, the Ryan Care, Trump Care, whatever you want to call it, uh, the president, and whether you like it or not, he is our president, oh. uh, said. I'm going to go after you guys. You know, I'm going to go after you Republicans, you know, give you primaries, you know, set up primaries, go after you in your district. And they all laughed. They all laughed because they knew Trump himself doesn't have two nickels to rub together and can't raise that money, despite being a president. Their money, their backing for the Freedom Caucus members comes from something called Freedom Partners. And Freedom Partners is an organization where of... The, uh, for the Koch brothers, Charles and David. They put, they've run literally over half a billion dollars through this organization, Freedom Partners. And what Freedom Partners, now everyone knows that Freedom Partners will only pay you if you're going to kill, if you take, swear 
uh, that you're going to kill any type of public health care, any type of public health care. Mm. So that's why I call it uh, uh, Coke Don't Care. So you, to get money from the Freedom Caucus, you have to say no to any scheme. That's why when, when some of the members of the Freedom Caucus said, okay, we'll go along if you make these changes, Trump made the changes, and then they still said no, because Coke says no means no. I want my fair share, and that's all of it, not kind of some of it. And here's the other thing that Freedom Partners did, though. There is a little, there is a bit of a, a dangling, little teeny, weeny bit of law left in America on campaign finance. Hmm. It says you can't bribe congressmen. You can't pay for a vote. And what that means is you, and what Freedom Partners did, their executive director actually publicly said, any member of the Freedom Caucus which faces, who faces a primary that Trump threatened, any member of the Freedom Caucus is going to get seven figures of support from Freedom Partners. Now, count the zeros. That means over a million dollars for any congressman who runs into trouble because of their vote against Trump. Well, I guess that explains how, uh, how blasé and tough they were being when they were publicly interviewed. Now, no, we're sticking, we're sticking by our guns, you know. Well, you know, the, 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 the fantastic thing is, is that I, there's in, I remember in Illinois, a member of the League of Women Voters, an elderly woman, was sent to prison because she told a state senator, if you vote for the Equal Rights Amendment and run into political trouble, we'll make sure that we raise the money to support you. That's saying we will pay you for your vote. When you say we will give you a million dollars if you vote against this bill, that is a million-dollar bribe. It doesn't matter that it goes to their campaign war just versus their pockets. But um, and, um, and, in fact, actually, when they said support, it wasn't even clear. It's a, you can't say we'll, a vote our way, we'll give you a million dollars. Now, everyone knew that they would do such a thing, but they actually, they're, they're so bold that they said, you know, so come on, come on, arrest this big boy. Um, it was, a tr- you know, it was really telling Trump that's how powerful we are. But why? We, but- can, we can pay the bribe. We can announce the bribe on television mm. that, will, that will defeat you. So don't even think about it. But, but as you point out in your, um, we're, so we, I'm trying to adjust the amount of time we have left in the interview. Yeah. Um, but as you point out in your article, um, you say keen observers of Trump care would note that it was not really a health care bill, but a tax bill, specifically a tax cut of some $157 billion that has been charged to the richest Americans to fund Obamacare through a 3.75 tax on passive investment income. That is money earned not by working but by speculating. So uh, the Cokes, the Cokes uh, if it's a tax saving for rich people, why wouldn't they approve it? Because there's, there's a couple ways to make your riches. As I told you, the way that Cokes made their money is things like selling carbon, selling filth to China, um, burning the filthiest oil in the world, mm-hmm. stealing oil from, uh, from Indians. When you... <laughs> When that's your business, you actually have a business that employs people, just like the mafia employs people, right? Coke mm-hmm. Industries uh, is actually an, is it, is an industrial company, uh, an oil company, and a pipeline company. They also are in the business of cutting down forests. They own Georgia Pacific. Um, so deforestation and, and uh, frying the earth is how they make their money. That's a business. Mm. That, that tax that, that funded Obamacare, uh, three and three-quarter percent on speculation income does not apply to them. They're not speculators, okay? That's not their business. But 
So how did it, so they actually didn't make the money on this. So they said, so you can ask, well, how did then Ryan Care get written? The answer is who hatched Ryan? Paul Ryan's career was created, funded, and single-handedly, almost single-handedly pushed by a guy named Paul Singer, but he's better known by his nickname, The Vulture. Again, he's another guy in, in uh, my film. Uh, I've been hunting this bird down for BBC. I started in the Congo hunting this guy down uh, years ago. Um, he makes his money by, he literally, just to give you an example, and, and I won't tell you how he does it or go into long detail, but he actually took the money from, that was meant for uh, uh, stopping a cholera epidemic in the Congo. He figured out a way to get his hands on that money. This is how he's made his billions, the, the vulture. Whatever you may think of the Cokes, they're like, you know, they're, they're like saints compared to this guy. He controls and owns Paul Ryan. And he was the one behind the, the, the Ryan Care bill. The reason it's not a health care bill is that the Congressional Budget Office, this is something that not much discussed, said that 24 million people will lose their insurance under Ryan Care. But if you simply repealed Obamacare, just to repeal Obamacare, didn't replace it with, you know, with something beautiful. If you didn't replace it, only 21 million people would lose their, their insurance. So it's actually worse than nothing. So why, why this worse than nothing? The answer is they had to get rid of this charge on speculation income. That is vital to the vulture because all of his vulture uh, attacks, as they call them in finance, and he's called, the, he's called the vulture by his bankers, his buddies, um, his vulture attacks are all taxed 3.75% by Obama. It drives them crazy. And the total amount that Obama was charging millionaire speculators, by the way, the most progressive thing that Obama did in his entire administration, and he kept it quiet. Um, and so this tax on speculator billionaires and millionaires, um, it's $157 billion over 10 years. That would be eliminated under Ryan Care. And that's and it's one of the reasons uh, the vulture, who never got along with Donald Trump, they didn't like each other. They don't like each other. But the vulture had a secret meeting in the White House. It was secret until Donald Trump mentioned it in his press conference. No other reporter said, wait, what's this, what is this guy, the vulture, doing in, your, in the Oval Office? No one followed up with a question. I heard Paul Singer, he said, Paul Singer was just in my office. By the way, the only president to ever call the Oval Office his office. No, sir, it's the Oval Office. It's the people's office. Uh, but he said, what's, what's the vulture doing there? It's to sell, tell them we've got your bill. But uh, w- what's confusing here is that um, you've got uh, the Kochs who were, uh, who were sort of backing the Freedom Caucus, which, uh, which doomed this bill, and you've got uh, this guy, the vulture, um, you know, who was uh, behind Ryan, who was pushing for this bill. So basically, like, billionaires against billionaires? Yes, it's a. You have to understand. There's a huge. There's been huge battles among billionaires that I've been f- tracking for the last decade. And, and we uh, get crunched usually, underneath. You know. Yeah, they, they usually do. Uh, they're usually, you know, in in uh, in sync with each other. Uh, but sometimes, uh, you know, there, there's a division. Uh, for if you're an industrial company, your uh, insurance rates under Obamacare have have risen substantially, and they don't like that. Uh, Coke Industries has a lot of em- employees in their in their little uh, strange little operation, and um, 
so that so that's been hurting them, and it would continue, It would hurt them even more under uh, Ryan Care, believe it or not, the way it works. And um, but they don't get any of the value of that tax cut. Whereas uh, Paul Singer, for all his billions, has next to no employees. And uh, that same the same is true for his uh, one of his uh, co one of his partners in uh, in financial crime, Steve Mnuchin, who's Secretary of the Treasury, another one of his buddies that he works with, Wilbur Ross, the Secretary of the Treasury, excuse me, Secretary of Commerce. These guys personally would make enormous sums from this tax cut parading as uh, health care, Ryan care. Well, you know, we're, we're <clears throat> approaching a point where, um, oh, by the way, um, this is the first time I've done a live show in a while. Usually I do this show recorded. And I did mention to some people that they could call if they wanted to. I don't sure. know if they will, because most people who listen to the show, uh, to most Internet radio programs, listen, uh, the overwhelming majority listen on podcast, which is to say at a later time. But if anybody out there wants to talk to Greg, the number is 888-874-4888, 888-874-4888. Um, like I say, I'm not so sure if anybody will call. Most people listen at another time and mm-hmm. day. But... Um, uh, so here we are with all this, and um, you do these investigations. You write this terrific stuff, and you present it in a wonderful way, and this is the news that everybody gets to hear. Uh, along with all the other news in the world, it's, uh, it's overwhelming. I mean, if you look at the international news, it looks like at the end of the world, like the world's blowing itself up. Um, I'll, have to, I'll ask you this question, although, I mean, I don't know who knows the answer to this. I mean... What do you see as any way that the actual ants under the ground, uh, walking on the ground, getting crushed by all these dinosaurs, battling with each other? I mean, what? Uh, how do we get our democracy back if we ever get it back? Is that a, an unfair question, or maybe it's too much to ask? No, it's. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, what was it? Uh, I was. I have a, Jill Stein's a good friend of mine. She keeps saying we need a third party. I think we need a second party. Hmm. That you know, there's only one party at the moment called you know, which you could say Hezbo Shekel, the party of the money. Yeah, and uh, the uh, and so we do need a, a real opposition, and there has been successful opposition to billionaires. Uh, you know, the movements led by um, you know whether it's the women's the 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 um, well, first of all the the abolitionist movement, to the union movement, to the women's movement. Uh, for equal pay and equal rights, not just the vote, and the vote comes first. The civil rights movement. Let's not forget that the uh, that uh, the the second march on Washington, led by King, was for to raise the minimum wage to uh, fifteen dollars an hour, the equivalent of fifteen dollars an hour. That's what it was about. Um, and so these these movements have had success. History does move in uh, does swing back and forth, though, as uh, King says. Uh, it doesn't swing unless you, we all pull against the pendulum. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so it begins with voting. And, of course, the grim news, we haven't gone into the main story of my film, The Best Democracy Money Can Buy, is that they fixed the vote because there aren't enough white guys to elect Donald Trump. They had to steal this election. But you say, well, then how, how the heck can we win? You know, how does that happen? Yeah. And the answer is that... You have to overwhelm them. No, you can't win with 51% of the vote. Sorry, that democracy, you know, uh, hasn't existed since you were in the third grade. And this is Smith who said we count all the, all the votes for class president by raising your hand. Mm-hmm. We have a system which we all raise our hand and say, oh, those, uh, the uh, three dark-skinned children in the back, we're not counting your vote. Um, and so they have to steal it. But that just means 
we have to have more votes. We have to, and we have to be, uh, you know, it takes marching feet and right. it Adding takes uh, yeah. and it takes endless vigilance. But, you know, in the end, we do have the people and they have the money. And if you have enough of the people organized to act, to march, to expose and a lot of it, you know, my humble role in, in this in this movement, in this pendulum uh, swinging operation is uh, to expose it. And one of the things I try to get people to do is take my film and get other people to see it or, or take my articles. I put a lot of these articles. I do Rolling Stone and The Guardian and some of these other things, but if you're not into uh, if that's not your cup of tea, I try to get it out on, on Internet sites where it's very easy to pass along. You can't stop a pickpocket unless you know that they've got your hand, their hand in your pocket. So, you know, exposure well, yeah, I mean, yeah, is thanks. part of the game. I mean, God bless you for doing your job. I mean, we need so we know things that we have. Uh, I mean, first of all, you got to act. But, uh, I mean, first of all, you have to have knowledge, and then you can act. And what you're doing is giving people knowledge. Um, uh, let me – but, uh, you know, look, I pick up the news. I can't even pick up the newspaper anymore, listen to the news, listen to the NPR, listen to the news. It's overwhelming. It's too much. The whole world is blowing each other up. I mean, there's terrorism. There's violence. Now maybe there's going to be a – God knows what's going to happen after these missiles hit Syria. You've got Putin. You've got poison gas. You've got uh, Africa. You've got uh, millions of refugees. People are, are starving everywhere. I mean, um, you know, yeah, well, I, I, we, I, didn't, we didn't you, invent these troubles. It's not new. I know. Um, you know, uh, no matter how bad things are, I, I actually don't like it when people make comparisons to the 30s. We don't have, uh, we don't have the rise of Hitler here. We have the the we have the reincarnation of Nixon, um, which is bad enough. Three million people died in Vietnam. Uh, we you know the the wars that we're seeing are are worse to some extent, in the sense that that there it's easy to get this information on news. We have cell phones and the internet, which brings the blood into your home twenty four seven. That's right. So you're not protected by. So you have an, a bombardment of what I call the shrapnel of information. They don't really give you the real story because, I mean, the worst thing is that once you get the real story, you know, it's a far worse than you think it is. You know, um, and, uh, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, when I uncovered, for example, as you mentioned at the beginning of the program, um, you know, and by the way, you're listening to Greg Palast, I'll announce it because you're saying, who's this crazy man? No, let me, um, let me, uh, let me mention that uh, yeah. you are this, uh, this man with this information and this passion is Greg Palast, P-A-L-A-S-T. Uh, a well-known investigative reporter uh, who has covered many stories, as you can hear, and broken open many stories. And you can uh, sign up for his reports and reach him, contact him at gregpalast.com and uh, do that. His reports are really eye-opening. They're important. And that's part, of what, that's part of what people need to do is get this knowledge, and you're providing the knowledge. So that's yeah. great. You but, know. you know, you have to be, uh, you know, and, and my thing is, you know, I'm, it's just the, for me, it's just the facts, ma'am. Though I try to write things and film things in a way that's, uh, that's, uh, has, shows the dark humor of this sorry world. Because if I didn't laugh a lot, I'd be in tears all the time. Well, that's I do how, get very yeah. upset. At the, I, get, I do get very emotional, and sometimes you see that in the film. But it's um, when back in, like in 2000, when I covered out Catherine Harris and Jeb Bush removed thousands of black men from the voter rolls, thousands. And then George W. was declared president by just 537 votes because thousands of black men couldn't vote. And I said there's got to be a, 
a computer program which is removing black people from the voter rolls. And then I found it. It was a program to, to label innocent black men, everyone, everyone, every single one innocent, label them as ex-cons, ex-felons who can't vote in Florida. And no one would stand up for them. And the thing is, and at first, a lot of, the, a lot of your uh, mainstream uh, um, media, now I am the ultimate mainstream. I did this report for BBC Television and for The Guardian newspaper out of London. I was in London, living in London. Well, I don't, I don't consider The Guardian yeah. mainstream. I mean, not, not, not even... Well, it's mainstream in the rest of the world. It's like where the rest of the world gets its information. To the rest <laughs> of the world, BBC and The Guardian are the gold standard of news. I mean, ABC and stuff, this is, this is considered like jokes. No one watches American. In the rest of the world, they're horrified. They think, this is, this is your news? Mm. You know, it's press releases and prefab junk. Um, and so what happens is, you know, it's the Russians, the Russians, the Russians lately. The thing is, um, I was, you know, they'll say, uh, you know, to come up with the computer program that, that switched the election by removing black people, you know, I was accused of being a conspiracy nut. And as I say, well, that always gets a laugh from the conspirators. And, um, and in fact, it was finally picked up the story and run by the New York Times only after the U.S. Civil Rights Commission said that's exactly what happened in 2000, and only after Catherine Harris, and I kid you not, signed a confession, a consent decree saying, yeah, we wrongly removed black people from the voter rolls, signed a consent decree with the NAACP saying that's what we did. I'm so sorry. She probably said, wrote the sorry note while she was at Bush's inauguration. Well, but this keeps happening. So we and we have and to so get that you have, information. You have to keep, yeah, you have to keep uncovering the information. I mean, um, obviously, I mean, if you watch, uh, if you watched Comey and if you listen to mm-hmm. Comey, you know, for all his flaws and all his screw ups with the uh, with the election, um, he has been investigating Trump and his family and his colleagues and his business partners for uh, a long time now, and uh, I'm kind of relying on him. I mean, but, you know... I wouldn't, and I'll tell you why. Okay. When I uncovered Paul Singer, the vulture, the guy that invented Paul Ryan for us and made him Speaker of the House, um, I was uh, uh, doing an investigation of vulture attacks. The FBI and Justice Department uh, called me into their offices in Washington, D.C., me and my producer from BBC, and said, can you give us the information? I said, they can't give you source or anything, but I can give you the, the public uh, information, you can, and you've got plenty to get the guys. Oh, yeah, this is a, this is a Loctite case against, uh, against these vulture investors. And what happened was it went poof. They, they dawdled until the statute of limitation ran out because they had to. The, 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 to go after the big donors is impossible. Then, then I told you at the beginning of this film, Excuse me, the beginning of our interview, how the Kochs made their money by stealing oil from Indian reservations. And I said, it's working alongside the FBI. The FBI was filming the theft. The FBI had the tapes where, you know, where Charles Koch is confessing to the theft. And there were indictments drawn up. And there were indictments drawn up. And then the senator from Kansas used his senatorial privilege to. Um, have the uh, the federal prosecutor fired? They hired Koch's own lawyer as the new prosecutor. Appointed the uh, new prosecutor who um, quashed the indictment that was being that was uh, drafted by the grand uh, grand jury, and it was quashed. That's what happened. So you can count on Comey, but believe me, 
they're going to just roll over this stuff. And that's mm-hmm. why, you know, Obama tried to spread the information about the Russian connections to several, uh, to several sources in and out of Congress that, you know, if they, if they do try to bury it from the White House, uh, the worst stuff, that it won't, um, I, uh, I, that it will still come out. I'm but just, the thing uh, is, is that don't count on Comey because there's pressures on him in the Justice Department. I just um, I just got uh, just got a little sign from the engineer. We only have a couple of minutes left. Okay. Um, uh, in the last couple of minutes, you have been listening to Greg Palast, and check out gregpalast.com. I'm really glad you came on today. Thank mm-hmm. you. And um, you're very welcome. Um, uh, one last question. You only got about a minute to answer it, mm-hmm. but uh, unless it blows the scoop value, are there other stories that uh, you're working on these days that you could summarize? Tons. Okay. Tons. In All fact. Right. Well, I won't say one of the people who just joined our team is a guy named Alan Grayson. Uh, oh, of course, of course. And, I've, uh, I've spoken to him. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the former congressman. But he he is an expert at whistleblowing law, and and we've got some good stuff that we are hunting down. And uh, you know, uh, we'll get it out one way or the other. If I have to lob it from the BBC or put it in a rock and roll magazine like Rolling Stone, I'm going to sneak the information of our investigations, what we're finding, into... Uh, we'll get it in some way. We'll, we'll, we'll sneak it in. All right. Greg Pallas, thank you so much uh, for doing all this for all of us, and thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you. Well, thank you for bringing my voice home to America. Thanks, Mike. Okay. Uh, we'll talk to you again probably soon. This is Mike Fader, and... Um, uh, this is The Turning Point. Uh, we're uh, here every um, Friday at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. That's live, and then the show is available on podcast. Uh, once again, the phone-in number, if you should choose one day, to, or if you are moved to call, it's 1-888-874-4888. And um, if you want to join my mailing list, then I will send you a link later with, uh, with the podcast on it, and I write various essays and other things. It's uh, go to Fader Files, F-E-D-E-R-F-I-L-E-S dot com, FaderFiles dot com. And if you want to get in touch with me, same way. You can contact me by going there. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Thank you for listening. And I'm glad to be back. Later on, a big moment in my life, my granddaughter, who is four months old, arrives from Seattle. I have not seen her except for Skype. So this is uh, when when the whole world is blowing itself up. And everybody's killing everybody and cheating everybody and stepping on everybody. Here's new life arriving. And uh, it's really a great thing. Okay. Thank you very much. Arnold. The sea is calm tonight. The tide is full. The moon lies fair upon the straits. On the French coast, the light gleams and is gone. The cliffs of England stand glimmering and vast out in the tranquil bay. Come to the window. Sweet is the night air, only from the long line of spray, where the sea meets the moon-blanched land. Listen, you can hear the grating roar of pebbles which the waves draw back and fling at their return up the high strand. Begin and cease, and then again begin, with tremulous cadence slow and bring the eternal note of sadness in. Sophocles long ago, heard it on the Aegean, and it brought into his mind the turbid ebb and flow of human misery. We find, also, in the sound of thought, hearing it on this distant northern sea. The sea of faith was once, too, at the full, 
and round earth's shore lay like the folds of a bright girdle furled. But now I only hear its melancholy long withdrawing roar, retreating to the breath of the night wind down the vast edges drear and naked shingles of the world. Ah, love, let us be true to one another, for the world which seems to lie before us like a land of dreams, so various, so beautiful, so new, hath really neither joy nor love nor light, no certitude, nor peace, no help for pain. And we are here as on a darkling plain, swept with confused alarms of struggle and flight, where ignorant armies clash by night. Hey, babe, what's in your eyes? I saw them flashing like airplane flies. That's for sure Must come back For a little more You got my heart You got my soul You got the silver You got the gold You got the diamonds From the mine that's all right It'll buy some time Door. 